0: This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks, with more than 150,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com/mother. Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah in Portland. And This is Dimity in Denver. Can you hear this, Sarah? Oh yeah, that that's tied to uh, some uh, painful news that you shared with the tribe this week. So, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit more about what's making that sound, Dimity?
1: Yeah, well, I'm not in a hoedown, although <laughs> I, I do I do want to learn how to play the banjo one day. But um, yeah, I've had a foot issue, and it's not even. It's really so boring to talk about. Um, but just know that it's uh, been just. It's it's made it's been very agonizing. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a what's called a plantar plate sprain, um maybe a tear it's hard to know um under the ball of my foot under the ball of my right foot, which is my nemesis It uh, came up in San diego um and uh and I've been hiding it. <laughs> I have been like doing little secret service action with it um for about three four weeks now um and because i it was my intent to get better. And run with Kelly in Philadelphia for our 26 Strong program. And I really can't tell you how much I really wanted to do that. And I really thought that I could do that if I took care of myself. And um, and it's just not healing the way that it needs to. So um, so I'm out. Um, and I'm back in my effing boot.
0: Yeah, that, that boot of yours gets, gets a lot. I don't know. That I think it's you're going to wear it out. Uh, You know, it's, well, it's
1: funny the Velcro kind of a part of it ripped the other day and I was like, oh God, I'm not, I'm not buying a new boot. So, you know, like you better behave, Mr. (laughs) Black thing. Yeah, no, I realize this is my, this is my third long spell in it. I mean, it's nice to own, you know, and it's, it's. But did you get it when you
0: first, when your injury uh, in 2007? 2007, yeah. Yeah, I had it for seven years. So you don't, gosh, that's, so you call them three, this, this, your third long stretch, but you've, I mean, this is, you were in it. January of last year trained for Ironman and then I thought you had a no, 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 I didn't. I didn't have to go, in oh, it for go into it. Oh, you didn't go into it.
1: Okay. No, yeah. no. So I went in it for the stress fracture for my heel. I went in it for the stress fracture and my metatarsal. And then I'm in it for this. I mean, this is like long, long periods of time, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So it's like six to eight weeks in the boot. Um, the good news is that it's it's not ambidextrous. It's what's ambifootstress or something. <laughs> so it can go on my left foot or my right foot. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so that's I've got that going. And then I also have, I found um, I was cleaning out uh, some closets on Sunday day and I've been looking for my, um, I also have the orthotic shoe, which mm-hmm. is this really lovely model of, um, a white shoe that basically has Velcro over the top. Oh boy.
0: Oh, that must be uh-huh. good luck.
1: Mm-hmm. It is. It's, it's, I, I look like I'm about 95 years old and, um, and, uh, but I found that and that's a good thing too, to have, like, I might be able to, oh. cause so the plan is now is that I'm going to, to bike, um, as much as I can near and with Kelly. I mean, not, mm-hmm. I'm not going to pedals side by side her as she runs but i'm gonna um make a whole bunch of signs but she doesn't know what they're gonna say Mm -hmm. yet um and you know and go up to a certain point on the course and wait for her and go and go and her 11 year old daughter carly the plan
0: is that she's going to come with us come with me and and cheer her mom on
1: so that'll be really fun and
0: that'll be in the Um, that'll be in the second half of the race when it's um a whole lot less crowded, and, and we're thinking yes. there's a trail alongside the Schuylkill River. There.
1: yep, yep. I've actually done my homework. Mm-hmm. I did after we talked about that. I went in and looked, and there's definitely a nice bike trail. Oh, excellent! Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, not the first half. The first half looks to be a little congested. It so is. I think, it
0: is. and there's a lot of spectators in the first half. That's what I was thinking more of because you know I've done the Philly half. And yeah. there's um some great support along the way. And I was like, Oh wow, you're gonna take down some some spectators there, Dan. Try to bike
1: <laughs> <laughs> if I don't hurt myself enough on my own. Right, right. Which is, yeah, so this so I wrote about that on Monday, but the part that I didn't put in because it was just getting too long and it's such a, you know, hashtag first world problem. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, of course I'm very bombed, and yes, I, you know, I've definitely shed more than, you know, an adequate number of tears over it, but you know, when you zoom out and be like, it is, you know, I am not in Somalia. I am don't have Ebola, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I have my freedoms, you know, like mm-hmm. it's not that big of a deal, but it's, you know, anyway, so, but this is another first world problem. So the other a week ago, I was, uh, the cowboy boot, my cowboy boot is the best thing that matches up oh, with right. my, the heel um,
0: height. Uh-huh. boot
1: mm-hmm. because of the heel height. Yes. And my dance go clog. It's either my dance go clog or my cowboy, uh, cowboy boot on my left foot. So wearing the cowboy boot and, um, I somehow slipped. I had two, mm. two like, big glasses, like kind of pint sized glasses in my hand. I was taking them down from our bedroom. Um, and I slipped on the top of the stairs and fell down the stairs. The, and whole, I the whole way down swear, the stairs. Um, like two thirds of the way. Oh my gosh. Like it was very, I really saw my life flash in front of me, especially because I saw this broken glass mm-hmm. at the bottom of the stairs. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and I, I, know a story of a bad fair stair fall and so that kind of went in my head mm-hmm.
0: oh. slow motion hold on but it's hold on hold on hold on, hold on hold on so it stopped when I had a vision of a bad stair fall in my head so just pick up from there okay
1: Um it's, it's weird it's like it's slow motion but it's not like it's done in two seconds mm-hmm. but it's like it, it I felt like I could have written a novel in the time <laughs> that it took me to fall down the stairs like <laughs> Anyway, so I the good news is that Grant Grant came to my um, rescue very quickly, and he came in and he goes, "Where are you bleeding?" And I'm like, "I don't think I'm bleeding." And and he goes, "No, I think you are." And he looked, and 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 on the stairs there were these skid marks from my boot. Oh my god! Like on four or five different stairs, and it looked like really dark blood. It was just. It was just a bad week <laughs> so um so i really i bruised my arm i bruised my tailbone like a mother bleeper oh my gosh mm. i've never
0: realized how much that
1: hurts mm-hmm.
0: yeah i told yeah. you i told you an email that, that i i had a bad tobogganing accident as a child <laughs> and uh and that i bruised my <laughs> tailbone very badly as as a kid in that and so i I remember vividly that pain, so I, I'm sorry that you are oh, having to experience it. It's just, it.
1: Mm-hmm. it's like insult to injury, and so now it's like, okay, well, so I really need to keep sweating just to keep my head happy, um, and uh, and so I'm like, okay, well, I can't sit on my bike seat, my thin little oh. bike seat from my triathlon, so now I have to go with the senior citizens and sit on like the big wide <laughs> bike seat at the gym that's like as big as a Cadillac. I mean, the whole thing is just like, Dimmy,
0: just give it up. And give you're, it like, up you're like, you're sitting, sitting on the big and then you get off and put on your big Velcro white shirt. I know. I mean, you're, like, not, yeah. you're like, I want handicapped parking. <laughs> seriously, I deserve it at this point. I deserve it.
1: So, um, oh. so anyway, so that's my tale of woe, and so it's not, like I said, it feels very first world problem-ish, um, but at the same time, it's it's you know obviously very acute in my life right now, um, and the good news is, is I've been through this more than a number of times, and I have the tools, um, both mentally and physically, to uh, get through it. So mm-hmm. I will. Um, I've got some new orthotics being made with a metatarsal pad that goes mm-hmm. under the ball of my foot basically to help me float the toes. And this isn't interesting unless you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I mean, my fr- our friend Joe came into town uh, last week from Minneapolis. She works here mm-hmm. um, sometimes. She comes to Denver sometimes for work. And she's had a similar problem. Mm-hmm. She has the pr- same problem. And I mean, we spent... Gosh, ninety-five percent of our dinner like discussing <laughs> feet. But we are both riveted because you know that's interesting to us because we've lived it. But if you haven't, it's like okay, shut up and move on.
0: So, oh goodness. Oh well, I I am I'm um I'm very sorry that you're injured once again. I'm sorry that you're going to have to. Missed the 26th strong culmination at Philly running it with Kelly because, you know, from the moment Saucony asked us to do that, you were like, this is exactly what I love to do. I love helping people. I love helping women meet their goals. You know, it was right up your alley. So I'm very I sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I still
1: will. We got we got lots of plans for her. She just has to go the miles without me on her side, but I can be on her shoulder and I can be in
0: her face even better. So (laughs) Oh oh yes, having (laughs) I know what it's like to have Dimity on a bike during a marathon. I might have to warn Kelly a little bit.
1: (laughs) I wasn't obnoxious, was I in Minneapolis? Um, no, just not obnoxious, you sure. you're very, very
0: enthusiastic and, um, you know, you, you know what photos you want, you know, and that type of thing. So you, you know, in the moment there's a time constraint, so you, um, let it be known what it is you're looking for.
1: Uh, that I'm direct. So, mm-hmm. uh, hey, yes. Sarah, if you don't, if you don't get what you want, it's probably because you didn't ask for it. That's brilliant. all I got to say. That's brilliant. I need, like, a T-shirt or something. or you
0: know, I should have that be my family motto, I think, my I youngest think child motto. motto. <laughs> Look at that. I taught it to a middle child. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kelly, put your arms up. No, go back and <laughs> Right, right. Oh, goodness. Well, well, we don't know where in the birth order Ted Spiker comes in his family, but he's our guest for the show today, and we're uh, delighted to have him join us. Ted is the author of Downsize, 12 for Turning Pants-Splitting Frustration into Pants-Fitting Success. I do love that subtitle. So, yes, this is our second in our uh, um, AMR running and reading club. So, and Ted is just a lovely guy. And in addition to that, he's the interim chair of the Department of Journalism at the University of Florida. He's a magazine writer, founder of the Sub 30 Club on Facebook. That's for folks um, trying to go under 30 minutes in 5K. Um, he's the co-author of *You*, the Owner's Manual series. He writes the Big Guy blog for RunnersWorld.com. He's also an Ironman triathlete who has gone through his own ups and downs with weight loss, and he's a dad. So he's a dad. Dad to, to boy twins, actually. Oh, I didn't, I didn't know that we had shared that twin connection. We are talking about books, and amazingly enough, this podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 100,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature and featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For our listeners, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service. Several of the books we're talking about on today's podcast are available on audible.com, including Flatwater Tuesday by Ron Irwin, The Secret Race by Tyler Hamilton, and Iron War by Matt Fitzgerald, so you can listen to somebody else rather than Dimity and me trying to read some little snippets of it. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash mother. Again, that's audiblepodcast.com mother.
1: So, Ted, in your new book called Downsize, um, I love that you organize the book with no rules, but instead around truths. um, And you kind of define the truths as principles that can guide your actions, steer you in the right direction, bail you out when things go wrong. Truths are contingent on the fact that your brain and not your belly lead the weight loss charge. Um, I, I, you know, I I read the, I read all 12 truths in the whole book um, and I, and the inspiration truth. The one that you kind of talk about where you will get most inspired when you try to inspire um, made a lot of sense to me. Um, But I'm curious, which, which one is your favorite or your most effective one?
2: Well, I, I think that's, I, I sort of agree with you. I think, I think that's a big one. And I think the reason is, you know, in the weight loss field, we're so used to this leadership model of, okay, if you need to lose weight, then you are going to listen to this person, this person, and this person. You are going to listen to a trainer and a doctor and a nutritionist or a book author, and everybody's going to tell you exactly what to do. And we're expect to kind of sit back and, and be inspired and you know the reality is that that our energy systems kind of work in a different way i mean that works sometimes but when we kind of you know lose our mojo and kind of lose our you know motivation and lose that kind of inner gut feeling that we want to accomplish something you know just listening to somebody either yell at, yell at us or tell good stories that that's not the only way that it works it can work that way but it's not the only way that it works but if you can be the one that's kind of delivering to people, even if you're not traditionally looked at as the as the leader, um, it, it, it has huge benefits in terms of just creating the cycle of feedback that, that you're giving energy, you're getting energy, you're giving energy, you're getting energy. And when you look at, like, sustained motivation and sustained inspiration – you know, that's really the key is that you have to have some stake in it. And, and, and I think that's, a, that's an important one because I think a lot of people, when we talk about weight loss, you know, they can do anything for four weeks. They can do anything for six weeks. You know, but what happens after? You know, that's what we got to really have to look at. You know, where are the plateaus? Where does the frustration come in? And where does, um, you know, where do those hiccups come? And, and I think kind of having that sustained inspiration is, is a big part of it.
1: Well I think that you you know, you've done that so well with your your blogs that you write on Runners World and your sub thirty club on Facebook and that kind of thing where I mean I think what has happened a little bit and yes, we have these role models, we have a Jillian Michaels and the you know, those kind of like, you know, lead by <laughs> lead by torture kind of people. But um but there's also just people where you turn around and be like, whoa, she's doing that. Like, I can right. do that. Right. right. Like that's right. And that's what I mean. We I mean, we talk about that like at school pickup. You're like, oh, you see the mother runner over there in the Lycra, like, you know, like picking her kid up and she's all drenched in sweat. Like she looks like I do. I, I can go do what she does. Right.
2: Right. Like, yeah, and I think that's what's awesome about, it, and that's what I've been most happy with, with, you know, with the Runners World um, blog is just, you know, I, I think a lot of there's a group of rough runners who, you know, and maybe it's all runners. We feel we feel like misfits in, in a lot of ways. You know, I mean, because even though it's an individual sport, we can't help compare ourselves to other people, and and you know, by writing the big guy blog, it, it's it's kind of taps into that misfit psychology, is that, you know anybody can do it. And it, and, and it doesn't even matter how you compare to other people. It matters what you do and what you want to accomplish and, you know, how you progress. And, and maybe you don't even progress. Maybe you just do it because you love doing it. I mean, that's that, and that's to me, you know, the point. And, um, you know, so, so I, I hope that that works in, in that way, in that kind of misfit kind of way that we all can kind of feed off each other.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Most definitely. I mean, I think, I think that's a lot of what we do with another mother runner. It's just like some days I get out there because I'm like, oh, well, everybody expects expects me to keep going. Right. So I, <laughs> right. I better get out there and do go. a run. Yeah. So I have something to talk about on the podcast. So yeah, right. so, um, so going back a little bit, um, the motivation truth, you write about your first marathon and about, uh-huh. about how you game the system for motivation, creating an environment, your Marathon Virgin blog, in which you had no choice but to be motivated and kind of taps into what we were just talking about. But but then you write over the long haul, motivation had to be well rounded and deep, and you can't go after one goal in the hope of achieving another. Can you talk about that mentality, like that if I run this race, then I'll lose weight, and why that can't really be sustained?
2: Yeah, it, you know, I mean, motivational experts kind of break up motivation into like um, extrinsic and intrinsic motivational factors. What's deep within inside you is the intrinsic, and the ex- extrinsic are these external factors. And and for me, and I think for a lot of people. Um, you know, writing that blog, the Marathon Virgin blog was an extrinsic motivation. It's like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna run this marathon, I'm gonna put myself out there and I can't fail, you know, I can't fail because I I have to fulfill this this goal. But then I asked, you know, you look at yourself and you say, Well, what is the real goal here? Well, deep down my goal was probably I wanted to get in a little bit better shape, lose lose some weight. So the, the motivation maybe wasn't totally aligned with, with the method. And, and I think that's kind of how we have to look at motivation. Why are we doing the things that we want to want to do? So, so motivational experts would look at, you know, running and say, well, why are you doing it? And, and if it's because you love running, you love the community, you love the pursuit of your own goals. Awesome. You know, and that's what gets you out the door. That's, that's awesome. Um, but if I was using running because I was trying to get to another place, You know, smaller pant size so I could eat whatever I thought I wanted, you know, whatever it was, you know, maybe that's not the best match. It doesn't mean that it can't work. It just means that it might not be totally aligned in in being able to do it over the long term.
1: I mean, that's what I'm talking about, sustainable. It's 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 tough because, you know, what you do is you jump on something because, you know, you want to, say, you know, look good for uh, you have to be back in a bridesmaid's dress or something like that. Yeah. Probably you don't. But uh, hey, we you do never know, right? You <laughs> never know, right? You have worn maternity jeans, I've heard. You can't, you can't <laughs> hey, hey, in that about hey, that we, one, right? Yeah,
2: see, see.
1: <laughs> um, But, you know, so it's hard because it's hard to separate, you know, what, why you start something and then to to kind of keep it going. And I mean, the idea hopefully with running is that, you know, you, you know, you started because you do want to lose weight, but then you find this community, you find this lifestyle, you find this joy that you didn't expect to find. And that's what keeps you going. Um, And, but, but then, and then the weight loss hopefully becomes a little less important, but I don't know. It's, it's such a, like, it's such a web of, of reasons and like studies and experts. It's so hard to like pay part. Right
2: yeah and that's and that's kind of what I hope the the point of my book was and you know you started by saying it's truths and you know not rules and not you know guidelines and, and I feel like I stumbled onto to something when I just using the word truths because I think my point is that there are some overarching themes that will work, but you have to adjust it to what works for you. You know, I'm not in any position, and I don't think, but a lot of our experts are any any position to say this formula works for everybody. You know, if that was the case, then we wouldn't even be in this situation when it comes to, you know, people having to lose weight. So, so the point is, how do you take what has been shown to guide good behavior, and how do you apply that to your own life? So, what you said is exactly right. So, you may start with external motivation. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, if you have a you know, weight loss bet with somebody. You know, if somebody calls you out and say, you know, like I had when I was a uh, in college and say, hey, you got childbearing hips. To you know, says that to me. You know, I mean, those are like external motivators. But if that prompts you to do what you need to do, that's okay. As long as you kind of, kind of make that transition into, hell, wow, gosh, I really like running. I really like the community, as you said. You know, that's what keeps it going. It's fine that's sustained. Element.
0: So and did you have to do any inner work? I realize that it won't necessarily work for everybody, but I think it would be helpful if people could hear if there was some type of inner work that you had to do to propel you to keep going after that first marathon in particular.
2: You know, that's a, that's a good question. I think that leads to, um, you know, I, I spent a lot of time talking to, there's somebody I mentioned in the book quite a bit, Doug Newberg, who's a sports psychologist and he talks a lot, you know, we, we track, especially in running, we, we track objective data all the time. You know, we track our times, we track our miles, we track our calories burned, we, we track the number of intervals we do. And he is really about kind of the the psychology of of feel you know not mm-hmm. feelings but feel how do we feel How do we feel when we perform? How do we feel when we exercise? How do we feel when we we eat? And it's a it, it can sound like a squishy area mm-hmm. but, it, but, it, but it's really not it's it's kind of just tapping into a different kind of data that we have And he really kind of got me in tune to thinking about okay. It doesn't matter if I run 18 miles a week or 20 miles a week or 12 miles a week, it doesn't matter if I run a 10 minute mile, 11 minute mile, 15 minute mile, whatever the heck is going on that particular day. It matters like, did it feel good to run today? You know, did my body feel good that like, that's what matters. So it's balancing like both of those. And for me, you know, especially you know being a, a bigger guy, being a back of the pack guy, we get so caught up in, I do at least, in appearance and speed, and gosh, I don't want to be at the end, and you know, all this stuff. And what Doug really helped me learn was who the heck cares? <laughs> you know who who cares who cares if what, what my time is i mean people aren't i don't think anybody's going to say look look at that guy you know he's he's terrible they care about their own lives and they care about their own performance so if if that subjective stuff is there you know do i feel good when i when i run or do i feel good when i exercise then shouldn't that matter as much as the objective data you know, and I think that that's part of the inner work is, is thinking about how those two things blend, you know. Mm-hmm.
0: And and is that something that you would think about while it was happening or was it something that, you know, while you were, you know, stretching your Achilles afterwards or whatever, you'd be like, oh, yeah, that was really nice to be out here today. You know, the sun shining or, you know, saw some new birds or whatever it was. Or is that something that just kind of you felt soaked through you during the day?
2: You know, I think it was it was a combination. And I think a lot of it was, um you know, d- during runs and trying to just embrace the what the what the moment of that run was, even if it hurt, even if it was, you know, trying something different or going further or, or trying to go faster. It was it was trying to be in tap towards, you know, and I don't want it to sound all spiritual because it's not it wasn't it's not really spiritual, but it in a way it, in a way it is. It's just it's it's just kind of embracing for what it is and not necessarily being caught up in the seconds, because I I mean. I would get derailed. I mean, I would look at my watch and say, Oh man, I must be blazing. I feel like I'm really moving. I'd look down at my watch and it would be, you know, a minute or two, you know minutes per mile slower than what I perceived it to be. Mm-hmm. And that would just, I would just like grind a halt, stop and just say, you know, forget it, where's the pie, you know? And <laughs> it was just be like, you know, and I was, and I was a kind of a slave to that, to those numbers, um, you know, but that's also kind of realizing we need numbers too, you know, we need numbers to progress. We need numbers to help ourselves get better and get faster and, and hit benchmarks and, and accomplish our goals too. So it's, you know, it's, it's really about kind of making them work together. And They're it's uh, and it's tricky, yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, that's, I mean, actually, I had a question about Doug Newberg and feel coming up. So you're here. Thanks for like, you know, ruining the sequence of everything, Ted, but that's okay. (laughs) But no, I'm curious because that, I mean, that really struck a chord with me too. And, and that's, I mean, a lot of my motivation for, for running is feel and it's not um, necessarily the number on my GPS um, because, you know, when I get up and run, it's so that I need to get my head in the right space and I need to get, you know, the endorphins flowing and my sweat on and feel like I accomplished something before the day has started. Right. And that. I mean that just sets my whole tone for the day. So I feel like I'm pretty tuned in to feel and not and I try not to get too hung up on numbers, but but then you kind of related that too to um, eating, which I thought was really that that's harder <laughs> because yes. um, it's it's how do you want to feel after you eat something, right? And if you go and eat half a chocolate cake, you're not gonna feel great after, even though it might taste good, those first few bites are always awesome. But right. then you're like Oh, do I really want to feel like uh, walking around with half a cake in my stomach for half a day,
2: you know? Because right. I feel like exercise and eating are the exact opposites. You know, mm-hmm. exercise hurts really bad in the middle of doing it if you're doing it really high intensity, but you feel great afterwards. And then eating is, oh, man, I feel really good for these 20 seconds that that <clears> – <throat> That that uh, Dairy Queen blizzard is happening and, <laughs> you know, and then I feel terrible after. So it's like the exact opposite. That's
0: interesting. I never thought of that. Yeah, I know. I'm, and, I'm writing that down and, as a note. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And it's, <laughs> and it's this balance between kind of that short term and long term. And and I think that's what's so hard for, I mean, that's that's been certainly my struggle for, for years is kind of how do you balance that short term and, and long term feeling of um, the short term pleasure, you know. As opposed to all the, you know, whether you just feel blah and lack of energy because you ate the wrong things, or you feel guilty. I mean, I can't. Rem- I mean, the only time I don't feel guilty eating is like if I'm doing such just incredible crazy training, or if I'm sick, you know. But other than that, <laughs> if if I'm eating, if I'm eating something that I shouldn't be eating, I always have a side of guilt. Always. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, how do you balance it's, it's, again, it's all about that, that, that as well, but it's, you know, how do you f- feel good about what you're, what you're eating? And that I, I would, I would argue that's harder than the exercise part, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, well, so when you, when you're saying. sitting in front of a Dairy Queen Blizzard and I happen to have done this like last week and I actually tweeted about it, or maybe it was two weeks ago, but I mean, I know that they make me feel like crap after when I'm done. Right, yeah. I just I know they do, but yeah. But you know, what
2: kinds do I have? What kinds? <laughs> <he,
1: laughs> Describe like it in far. detail. I like. I like he...
2: Okay, no, that's good. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: so, uh, so anyway, so I mean, do you ever have that moment where you say, okay, are you, are you, do you have the perspective enough now to say? You know what? I'm not going to eat that because I'm going to feel so gross afterwards. Or, or are you still in the place? And I'm in that place too. Like I'm not judging at all. Or you no, say, I, oh, screw it. I, maybe it won't happen this time. You know?
2: I am a huge proponent of, you know, you know, cheat meals, cheat situations, you know, being able to have a little bit of what you love. Because I think if you totally limit yourself and restrict yourself, you're just setting yourself up for binges and just falling off the wagon. So, So I'm fully – on board with, with all of that. Um, but I haven't had a Dairy Queen blizzard in 2014, um, until my birthday. And that was the only one that I've had this, this year. And, oh, cool. and that's okay. And I haven't missed them and I haven't, you know, said, Oh my gosh, I need to have them. I don't feel like I'm, um, denying myself, um, them at all. And I think some of it goes to, you know, I talk about one of these strategies in the book is it's called the if then statement, and it's been studied by some researchers, some goal setting motivational researchers and what they, have found to be really effective is, you know, if people can set up, if then statements for their weakness, they can, they can kind of address them rather than making decisions in the heat of the moment. So, you know, if we are, if I'm taking the family to Dairy Queen, if we're going through the drive-through, then what is my, I'm going to order a small cup of vanilla, you know, you know, you just kind of Mm -hmm. set up a a kind of an emergency contingency plan. And then that becomes, it's not a rule. It's just kind of what you do so there I think there's a way for all of us to address our food weaknesses um you know in that in that kind of way so that that you're still you know enjoying what you want to enjoy without going crazy, which is really the whole problem with the food i think i mean some people will argue you have to eat perfectly hundred percent of the time, but i I think it's more that we you know eat badly ninety percent of the time rather than you know allowing yourself indulgences here and there.
0: And I, I think that I really like that if-then solutions. I think that, you know, that can certainly carry over to exercise, you know, that, that on the weekends, you know, I want to be able to do a long run, but, you know, suddenly there's three soccer games and the leaves have to get raked that day. And, you know, my mother-in-law's coming into town. I mean, so then it's like, oh, okay, well, on those days I'm totally jammed, I'll, you know, take a 30-minute Since 2011, BarkBox has been committed to making dogs happy. For humans, BarkBox is a delivery of four to six natural treats and super fun toys curated around a surprise theme each month. For dogs, BarkBox is like the joy of a million belly scratches. BarkBoxes include all-natural treats and innovative toys to match a dog's unique needs, including allergies and heavy chewer preferences. Not a phrase I say every day. Dimity's dog Mason, an energetic Weimaraner, is eagerly awaiting his first BarkBox. Dimity let BarkBox know the breed, size, and even name of her dog, as well as the all-important chewing preferences, and now on the 15th of each month, a new box will get shipped to Mason. Each monthly box is themed, like Country Fair or Brooklyn Hipster, with new and unique toys to keep dogs engaged, interested, and happy. If your pooch doesn't like something in the box, BarkBox promises to send something they'll love for free, because BarkBox is all about dog happiness. Choose a plan. One, six, or 12-month plans are available. Cancel anytime. Free shipping in the continental U.S. For a free extra month when you subscribe to a six or 12 month plan, a BarkBox. Visit BarkBox.com/AMR. That's BarkBox.com/AMR. Woof. Thanks to Storyworth for supporting our podcast. Storyworth is a subscription service started by a fellow who wanted families to be able to share their memories and anecdotes with each other. Here's how it works: Purchase a Storyworth subscription for someone you love. And each week, StoryWorth sends that loved one an email with a question about his or her life. The person either replies with his or her story via email, or records it by phone by calling a StoryWorth number. After a year, the stories are bound in a lovely, hardcover, keepsake book. My husband Jack and I gifted StoryWorth to his dad, and we're especially looking forward to hearing his tales about going to medical school in Dublin, Ireland, which is where Jack was born and spent the first four years of his life. Then we'll share the book with Jack's siblings. For $20 off, visit StoryWorth.com slash AMR when you subscribe. That's StoryWorth.com slash AMR. Walk with my kids or, you know, I don't know, run around the soccer field a couple times, something like that. I mean, do you see that as an as application you can have in exercise as well?
2: I think absolutely because, you know, I think this whole problem with, with, you know, weight gain and weight loss is we don't accept failure. Like we don't accept that if we mess up, like in every other aspect of our life, we're okay. We make mistakes at work, we correct them. We make a mistake in our relationships, our family, we talk it out and we figure out solutions. You know, everything we do, we are okay with trying, failing and coming up with with solutions. But at least in my experience is the way that the person who's overweight deals with failure is forget the whole thing, you know. I'm now going to eat, drink, I'm going to sit on the couch and just kind of drown my sorrows because I messed up. Mm. Rather than saying, okay, here's a little detour, let's figure out our way around the detour and continue on the road that we want to go on. So it makes perfect sense. So if you're training for a marathon, you're supposed to do 14, but life gets in the way, does that mean you don't run the marathon? No, you know? If you have the preparation to kind of say, how do I adjust? Then it then it certainly will. Um, certainly will work. But I think in in no other area of our life do we – are we so hard on ourselves about quote-unquote messing up, you know? So, that comes with funny. food. It comes with exercise, anything.
1: Yeah. So here's another quote, Ted. I promise you that I didn't send you these notes before we started to <laughs> talk. But, I, you know, you wrote, if, if three months ago I told you that you'd be 15 pounds lighter but that you slipped up a few times along the way, you'd accept that. Um, But, you know, but when in the moment of slip of slipping up, you're like, oh, I I can't do this. You know, I'm a failure or and it could be eating. It could be running. It could be. I mean, those are the two, obviously, that we're focusing on. But, you know, I mean, why is it so hard to have that perspective in the moment? That's so frustrating, isn't it?
2: Because I think, you know, I mean, I I think part of it. So we're, we're so bound by the scale, you know. We're both so bound by what that number says. So well, yeah, we,
1: numbers, yeah.
2: Yeah, so that if we if we mess up with that, you know, an extra large blizzard, and <laughs> we say, okay, well, now I'm, now I just blew it. You know, there's no way I'm going to be able to. It's going to take me three weeks to burn that off. So, you know, we we kind of equate like every mistake we make to what it's going to do to the scale and and i think that's why we don't accept it we don't accept that, okay the reality is that one blizzard over the course of a couple months is not going to be a big problem or the course of a couple weeks even is probably not going to be a big problem you know so we just we just assign this huge you know value to every mistake rather than the huge value to your successes mm-hmm. i think I and when it comes to the weight stuff i have always done that and i think that's kind of why i've always run into roadblocks is every time i i fail or i mess up i just you know you kind of throw in the towel
0: yeah that's awesome I'd like to say I can't decide whether this means Dairy Queen, there's no way they're ever going to sponsor us or whether they should just jump right <laughs> on <out more. laughs>
2: Hey, I tried to get Dairy Queen to sponsor me for my races, but that didn't seem to work. No. Well, well, then, so but then is... D- DQ is probably not a good thing to have, you know?
1: Well, you know what? It's so funny. I did a blog once, DQ or BQ, you know? Like, yeah, which one do you care that's... about more, right? Right, exactly. I'm all about the DQ.
2: Exactly.
1: <laughs> I, I, I'm just curious. This is zooming out a little bit, and this is a little personal, but, um, but you obviously – lay it out there all in the book. I mean, how is it, is it difficult as a guy? Because I know like women, I mean, we, you know, I I think it's very accepted that we, you know, micro inspect our bodies and talk about weight loss and, you know, get all hung up on which yoga pants look the best on us. But I don't ever see that conversation happening among men. I really feel like you're a groundbreaker in that respect. I mean, do you, is that been kind of your intent or, and has it been uncomfortable at all? Or are you kind of like, someone's got to do this. I'll do it. I'll step up
2: yeah you know i mean I think it's becoming more and more accepted for guys to to talk about bodies and and especially in context to health I mean I think guys have traditionally you know used used fat as their kind of sidekick. You know, so you see the you know the kind of overweight comedians. They can use it as their punchline, and that's the way I think guys in um, in kind of everyday life tend to use it too. So if a guy is a little bit bigger, then you know, oh, it's it's okay that I'm bigger. It's it's you know, it's part of who I am, and we laugh about it. Ha ha ha. Um, so you know, I, I I don't I don't know that I was sent out to say you know I want to talk about. You know, body image, and I'm all in tune to my body. I I more wanted to say, talk about kind of the frustrations that I think we all have, whether we're men or women. um, And, and, you know the similarities that we have when it comes to this chase of perfection, and that's that's also part of the problem, I and mean, it goes hand in hand with that fear of failure. Is this, what are we doing chasing perfection? Um, you know, it's different if you're you know if you're a model or if your livelihood depends on you. You know, you have 14 abs popping out of your belly, but you know, I mean, it's 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 what are we doing chasing perfection? We should be chasing good health, good energy, good relationships. You know, a body that we're satisfied with, and great experiences, and. Um, and I think kind of body image is part of that puzzle and, and part of writing about it, I hope, is kind of, you know, giving – not making it more than it is and not making it less than it is, I guess.
0: Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So in the, in the nutrition chapter, you, there's – again, like the rest of the book, there's no rules, but you do mention sane foods. Could you talk a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, I mean, those are foods that are really that were developed by um, Jonathan Baylor, um, who's kind of been the one of the leaders in, in, in kind of talking about foods for their value rather than their calories. And the main point, um, you know, that he makes is that you should be, you know— Eating eating foods that that you know that that fill you up that are metabolically efficient that are that are just those good clean um, foods that we would classify as good healthy natural foods and getting rid of the foods that we traditionally know are are not good for us the the processed um, you know the processed type type foods the the extra sugars all of those foods and, and his point is a is a good one in terms of you know if we're feeding our bodies the the right kinds of foods that we don't have to you know, worry about counting calories. We don't have to worry about uh, cheating because we're getting satisfied meals. We're getting satisfied foods in our, you know, healthy fat and our and our lean proteins and our, um, you know, foods that satisfy our sweet cravings and our berries and and fruits and and foods like that. So, you know, I think the jury's out on on calorie counting. I mean, he certainly takes the stance that we don't need to count calories, but you know, some research you know shows that if you do monitor and self-monitor, that is an effective way. I mean, certainly that's the Weight Watcher system is to is to is to monitor calories and i think that can work for some people because it kind of puts you in check and the effect is that you eat better foods because you want more more to eat so you eat foods that are kind of more uh more efficient for you sure. um so so you know i don't think there's any you know huge revelation for for anybody who's looked at any any nutrition information um you know there are some kind of i think there are some foods that have uh, mixed uh, mixed reviews, but for the most part, we kind of know what's good and we know what's bad. You know, white bread generally we don't think is very good, and vegetables we think are good. You know, it's 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 that it's just kind of going in that mentality of making sure that most of your most of your foods, um, you know, hit those. So that that that's my interpretation of most of your foods. I mean, some people would certainly say that you want all of your foods to be in that in those categories, but.
1: Well, and you in um and, and you talk about uh, one dietitian that you talked to says you can find the right food relationship and you don't want to cheat. Um, it's kind of like when you find the right partner and you don't want to stray from that person. And I, I mean, I kind of I, th- I thought that was kind of smart because when you have a good like satisfying meal, you you know you don't necessarily want to head to DQ right after. Um, but I mean, have you found that to be the case, or is that just? Some really nice words that fit into a very nice, you know, (laughs) equation.
2: (laughs) You know, I mean, when you kind of grow up and you love your tacos and you love your lasagna and your mashed potatoes, to me, it's really hard to envision a life where you never, ever would have them, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, but I certainly... You know, my desserts now, you know, I might have a big bowl of berries and throw some chocolate chips in it. Um, you know, so it's a way of kind of getting that satisfaction without feeling like you have to have something super processed or super sugary. But that doesn't mean that I never have dessert. That doesn't mean sure. I never, you know, have mashed potatoes. It just it just means that if I can make, you know, most of my meals kind of in line with what is good for my body, then I can allow myself to stray. And, I don't, you know, I. I I think there was an important viewpoint to say if you're eating the right foods and you have a good, balanced diet, you don't need to need to cheat. But I, you know, this is all part of, again, kind of individualizing and customizing how you work. There are some people who can't cheat, right? Because if they cheat, they're going to go on a slippery slope and just floodgates are open. And there are some, because there are some people who are so meticulous about what they do that they're inspired by being able to eat perfectly every day. So – it's kind of about how can you customize it. For me, I know that it wouldn't work if I totally eliminated everything that I liked. So for me, I allow myself to, to stray every once in a while. But for some people, that may not work.
0: Sure, can, I, can I ask one question before we move on to one thing? You mentioned chocolate chips. Dimity told me one time that she can't keep a bag of chocolate chips in her house because she'd <laughs> go through them. I, I just yesterday bought four bags of chocolate chips because they were on sale. I have no desire to eat chocolate chips. You all, like, eat, like, special chocolate chips that taste – I mean, I buy Nestle, so I'm not, like, going for the bargain brand. But I just – am I missing something with with the chocolate chip, just the chip itself?
2: Ch- chocolate chips are a metaphor for anything that you like. <laughs> okay. <Yeah>. So, <laughs> so, you know, if it's a Hershey's bar or whatever sweet – or or crumbled-up cookie or, or whatever it is, you know – I mean, for me, I mean, I like the I like the chips because it's but you, know, you like you get just that Nestle Tollhouse, toll
0: the just the Nestle Tollhouse like like the semi sweet, like I just. You know, I don't know. I could be left alone in a room for like a weekend with those and I don't think I'd attack
2: yep. them. How about peanut butter chips?
0: No, no. They have so much like, they have so much, um, you know, like uh, emulsifying <laughs> ingredients in them that they're like, nah, nah, like the tongue out, uh-huh. across the top of the mouth.
2: Well, what do you, what do, you, what do your dessert go to, Sarah?
0: Yeah, my, I, um, I, lately I've been about the dark chocolate peanut butter cups. They're little from Trader Joe's. Ooh. Yeah. Oh,
2: nice. Yeah. Strong.
0: Yeah. 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 So, and it has a good melt in the top of your mouth, you know, bite off the bottom and then, you know, put the top rest in the top of your mouth and kind of move again. And
2: it. do you just stop it? Can you just stop it at one or two or seven or what? Uh,
0: uh, well, <laughs> see, I keep them downstairs and then I take, okay. you know, uh, typically three upstairs to when I watch TV and then.
2: Oh, see, you're good. Oh. I mean, that's good <laughs> but strategy. Then, then
1: see, yeah. See, I would, I would climb back down the stairs and get four more, you know, <laughs> that's, that's the problem. So, I mean, no, but, for me, go ahead, Ted.
2: I was going to say, you do exactly what you're supposed to do, which is it's all about environment, you know? If the the cups are right there sitting next to you in a bag, it'll be easier to go from 3 to 8 to 27. Yeah. But since they're downstairs, I mean... You know, you know everything.
0: Okay, okay. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just, I'm just not gonna switch to just semi-sweet chocolate chips anytime soon. No, <laughs> no,
2: no.
1: That no, no. so, chocolate chips for me, Sarah, are, um, I mean, so I've learned over time that I can't keep Hershey bars and other stuff that I would eat, you know, no problem in my house. And so when I'm really, really craving sugar and I've got nothing, oh. chocolate chips are like the best thing I got. Oh my right? gosh, you're like the alcoholic.
0: So, they'll like drink you know, mouthwash, my God, right? Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. I don't need to laugh at at people's problems. No, but it's,
1: it's true. I mean, that's, that's honestly like where it is, you know, I mean, that's, that's, you know, when I, when I, especially like, you know, on a, on a bad day and work isn't going well, and like, I can't get in a groove to write or whatever I need to do, like, my thought immediately turns to sugar. Like that's just the way my brain is wired. So, you know, I don't really have it in the house so much anymore. And as we talked about the last time, I make gorp, <laughs> put, it, <laughs> put the m and in with the peanuts and the almonds and the other stuff that's fairly... Good for you, and so then I still get a little bit of a chocolate hit. But
2: anyway, was that what was all over the floor? It
0: was. Yes,
1: yes, <laughs> oh, it was. I so it would happen last time as I picked Grant, my husband, uh, didn't put the lid on tight. And oh, so look at that! You found
0: up. out the you found out the culprit last time it was just someone had not put the oh, lid on. Oh no, Craig. then I yeah. talked
1: about it at home. <laughs> that was mad. I mean, that was a lot of gore.
2: <laughs> it's it's always hashtag husbands, man. It's hashtag <laughs> husband, man. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, and so and so actually. Since we're talking food and desserts, I mean, the other thing that I found, and um, I'm glad I went back and, and pulled together these questions because you talked about protein ice cream. I'm like, oh, I want to try that. So tell, tell us what how you make your protein ice cream.
2: And... Well, this is a recipe from uh, Adam Bornstein, who is kind of one of the one of the big f- health and fitness um, uh, gurus um, that I certainly uh, rely on and, and respect. But essentially what it is, is you can put uh, a little bit of Greek yogurt, you know, uh, you know, low-fat Greek yogurt, some protein powder, mm-hmm. and then just a little bit of almond butter in there mm-hmm. and whip it up. And then you put it in the freezer or the fridge, let it get a little bit of firm consistency, and it's like ice cream. Mm. You know, I mean, it's, it's great and it's satisfying and it's healthy. And if you want to stretch – and I have done this, I have put a couple chocolate chips in it. <laughs> so, but
0: I maybe am thinking maybe I I'm add I'm add thinking berries, some du- maybe some berries, chocolate. nuts yes. you can put. I will maybe get some dark great. dark chocolate, maybe because then it would be kind of yes. like my Trader Joe's thing.
2: Yes, I do. I have dark chocolate chips in my house mm, now. Okay. You know? So you can so you can you know experiment with the flavors of uh, of protein powder. So you know with uh, with chocolate protein powder, almond butter, and you know uh, plain low fat greek yogurt, you know, you are getting that obviously it's not the same thing as a high sugar peanut butter cup, <laughs> but it does it does feel really satisfying in terms of hitting that sweetness level and the after effect is, oh my gosh, I had something sweet, it tasted good and zero guilt. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, cuz I think guilt is such a destructive kind of force because that's what forces us to do other bad things so so it's really good and then sometimes i put a little whipped cream on it but you know we'll, we won't talk about that
1: we we'll, we'll edit that part out yeah, yeah,
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> okay so we've got some we got we, we fielded a couple of questions from the mother runner crowd um okay. So Lisa is uh, looking for advice um, for someone who has never had to lose weight before. She said she gained 20 pounds training for her first marathon almost four years ago, and she's still trying to lose it. Um, and and uh, we've got most of these revolve around weight loss, so we don't uh-huh. necessarily need to talk about that with this particular question. But I'm just curious about, you know, gaining weight while training for a race. I mean, that's, so, that's another thing that's really frustrating. And so, I mean, have you had that experience, and what, what worked for you?
2: Yeah, of course I've. <laughs> yeah, um, I think I'm the only person in the history who gained weight after a 150-mile charity bike ride. And that's because I stopped at every rest stop. I'm like, oh, I'm riding 150 miles, cookies, you know. I got back, I was five pounds heavier than when I started. I'm like, wait, how did that just happen? So, So I totally get it. And, you know, I mean, you know. I mean, I don't know how you felt, Dimity, when you did your Ironman. But when I did mine, you know, I was thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm probably going to lose 50 pounds in this process. No, and, I didn't lose a pound. Yeah. And, a pound. and that endurance training, I don't know. I, you know, I don't know what the research says, but anecdotally, you know, especially swimming just makes you hungry, hungry, hungry. And, um, you know you know, and I think that's why, and that's why I think that anybody who's trying to, um, lose weight or is, um, you know, or is worried about it when they're training for a big event should try to include a little bit of strength training in there. Um, because I just think that muscle is just uh, helpful in terms of not only just strength and performance and injury prevention, but also in terms of, um, helping kind of keep fat in check. Um, you know, it may not, show up on the scale having that muscle mass or a little bit of muscle mass but i think in terms of kind of keeping the fat you know fat gain in check i think you know strength training is is important but that's also hard you know obviously if you're training for something big and you have to run 5 days a week or you have to run bike swim you know 13 times a week it's hard to fit in it's hard to fit in muscle but but you know i think a muscle is a, especially for the running um, set muscle is such a underused Uh, aspect. And and it helps in all kinds of ways, not just weight, but also that injury prevention and and performance too.
0: Sure. Yeah. yeah. So another question is from Michelle, who um, we've met several times. She's in Minnesota and she lost 135 pounds three years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and this year, unfortunately, has had to change her exercise regime uh, due to some surgeries and complications from them. So, but she um, is dedicated to taking an hour-long fitness walk um, every day now, um, and she's been loving listening to your book on Audible, and she's been laughing out loud as she she's going, and she, she thinks her neighbors think her, she's a little nuts. But, uh, <laughs> um, but um, so, her question is: How long do you give a tweak t- in your diet a chance to work?
2: That's a great question. I mean. Um... You know, I don't know if there's a hard, fast answer, but, you know, I I think you have to give it a little time. I mean, and and we're in a very impatient society, especially when it comes to to weight. But I think, you know, six, eight weeks just to see kind of what's happening is is helpful. And I also think that there's value in tweaking all the time, too. I mean, I think that part of the problem is that we – you know, part of the problem with people who plateau is that they do something that works for the first 20 pounds – and they assume that it's going to continue to keep working, but then we hit this plateau, and nothing, and nothing um, changes. And the reality is that we kind of have kind of reached this—you know—your body has reached this adjustment period where it now knows what you're going to do. So you have to change up again. Um, I, I do think that the walking regimen is is crucial to it, and I think long term, if she keeps doing that, um, that's going to be—you know—if you give it time, that's going to be a huge part of—you um, know—getting those, getting those. Um, you know, extra pounds, uh, pounds off. But, you know, I, I think you, you got to give it a little time to see, see what's happening. Cause again, it goes back to that scale. I mean, if you weigh yourself after two weeks and nothing's happened, that doesn't mean things aren't happening biologically. It just means it could mean anything it could mean water weight, it could mean hormones could mean, you know, you started lifting, you've got some muscle mass going on. So, you know, I, I do think you want to give it a little bit of time to, you know, to see what, to see what's working. Yeah.
1: All right, so Catherine, um, and then Sarah put an SBS an exclamation point, which is Sarah. Um, uh, I have whittled. I have whittled my waistline mm-hmm. uh, and thighs, and have lost thirty pounds in the past year. But this stubborn mama pouch is getting saggier and not going away. How do we tackle that? Crunches
2: aren't touching it.
1: Oh jeez. If you had that answer that. right, Ted, you would be like, hey, you know, you'd hey,
2: be uh, I, have I, mean, I, you have hey, I have a mama pouch. I have a mama pouch. That's where I carry my weight. I carry my weight in my hips, my butt, and my lower abdomen. That's where my weight is. Mm-hmm. I don't have I don't have a big beer belly. So so I'm with you. Um, um it, you know, I think the the bottom line is you can't spot reduce. You know, you can't do muscle weight exercise at a space where um, you know, you want to burn fat because that's not what burns fat. I mean, it's everything all combined. It's the diet, it's the, it's the exercise and and your body's going to kind of decide where you lose fat first and last. So, you know, that being said, I think it's just, you know, it just seems to be, this is the last part on her body where, where the the weight's going to come off. And I think that maybe one thing to turn to and not to go back to, to weights again, but, you know, one thing I think that, you know, not to stereotype but i think you know in my experience sometimes sometimes women are afraid to really work their legs hard mm. because they're afraid of i mean, in a, in a weight sense you know not a running sense but in a weight sense um because they're afraid of really you know being bulky but but you know i think doing some weight exercises you know, focusing on legs, really focusing on legs, is a, is a huge help to burning those last areas because your legs are, you know, some of your body's biggest muscles. That's what's going to use up a lot of that extra fat and energy um, to kind of take that fat away. So, if she hasn't done it or she's not doing it, I would add in, you know, things like squats and lunges and and deadlifts. And again, they all have running application and. Um, In a lot of different ways, but in terms of kind of amping the metabolism to have that fat kind of geared towards feeding the muscle rather than kind of just sitting there Mm. might be might be a way. And, uh, you know, again, it's a a little bit of experimenting, but but crunches aren't going to burn belly fat. I mean, you know, you know, you know, interval training, um, adding muscle, uh, dietary things are going to be what what gets it.
0: So this final question we're going to ask you comes from Susan, who um, calls you Mr. Spiker, even though I know she's from California. So she's getting all fancy East Coasty on us. But um, so she just wanted to thank you for uh, making her appreciate she can throw on a skirt over her tri-kit for the run portion of a triathlon. She feels better with it on. And so her, her question is, wants to know, um, are you going to do another tri- Ironman?
2: Oh that's a great question i mean that that experience and you know i mean and I will tell you that during my training, I listened to to you two and it was such a huge help to listen to you two during my training, but that was some long, long training, and I barely made it as as you know and um it was an incredible experience, and I would never trade it in for for the world but you know i I think if i were I would like to get revenge on that course sometime. Um, but I don't think it's in the near future. I mean, I think, you know, I finished in, you know, 16 hours and 39 minutes or something. So was in that last hour of finishing, I wouldn't want to try another one until I could be reasonably sure I'd be, you know, under 15, maybe close to 14 so that I really feel like I could race it and not just survive it. And, um, you know, so that, that comes with schedule that comes with, you know, trying to get, you know, fitter. It it comes with a whole bunch of stuff. I mean, I wouldn't trade that experience. Um, but right now not going to happen down the line. I would like to think that I want another shot. I want to, I want to move from the last, I want to watch the last hour. I don't want to be in the last hour.
1: (laughs) I like it. I like it. Awesome. Well, Ted, you've been so helpful and so gracious and funny. And thank you for, um, for your expertise and your time. And,
0: um, yeah. yeah we'll just see you on, yeah. on twitter and all that good stuff on your Facebook yeah. pages
1: yeah I know. I know i feel like i'm like uh, maybe we'll cross paths again but florida and oregon
0: and colorado are far away right now but
2: maybe yeah, but you guys are all over the place so i'm sure somewhere
0: yeah. yeah 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 somewhere i think i think you're a disney princess i think you know you can show yeah, up you know,
2: i'm getting a lot of pressure from the sub 30 crew to maybe do one of those dopey goofy mm-hmm. run a ridiculous amount of miles <laughs> in a weekend type deal so
1: yeah. well, we'll, we'll, we'll be there by you we can we can help you with that yeah we can. Uh, we can get you a nice badass mother runner tank for that. Yeah, you know Kim, the one question we skipped over here was that um, Kimberly said, you know, she she wanted to give you props for admitting that you wore your wife's maternity pants out in public. He says she said he's a he's a badass mother runner in spirit for
2: they sure. They were so. re- They were really nondescript. I will. just <laughs> Disclaimer. I mean, I don't think anybody could. They were like really nondescript, so I think I pulled it off without anybody knowing. You but They fit playing. great. No, I, I great.
1: Wish you, do, you, do you still own them? I mean, you kind of need a picture in them.
2: No, I don't think that needs to happen.
0: Oh, okay. All right, all right. I, well,
2: oh. it, you know, they were they were they were her post pregnancy pants. So they weren't the maternity pants. Oh, they didn't that were have like the, the insert. Oh, that's
0: oh, what I see. That's what oh, I was envisioning. Did,
2: did you make yeah. that clear in the book? I said post pregnancy, and I said that they were kind of they were women's pants and I was just kind of explaining that it was when, you know, I was a little bit smaller, she was a little bit bigger, so I was I was, you know, it was basically just a women's pair of jeans that were a little thinner in the waist and roomier in the in the thighs. And they just they were they were they they literally were nondescript in that, you know, I don't think you'd be able to tell that they were women's jeans. I hope not or else I'm the only thing thing that's different about them
1: what I found is that because oh, I sometimes wear Grant's pants, um, is uh, just around the house and stuff, is that yeah. the zipper's on the other side. Like they zip it up the
2: other yeah. way. Gosh, I forgot about that. It's been a long time since I did it, but yeah. <laughs> there you go. And so that's my story. And I'm out sticking to it. Yeah, zipper, yeah. Then they know,
0: there was then no they elastic get... panel in the front. That's Ted's story.
2: That's right. <laughs> that's what I'm sticking to. Yeah,
0: rewriting. Revisionist
2: history. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. It was great talking with you, Ted. A lot of fun. Thanks so much for having me, everybody. Thanks. Bye-bye. Take care. Uh. That's
1: awesome. Yeah. I, I, well, is, it, is this a time to admit that Grant has worn my pants sometimes? He used to wear my running shorts. Like, he had one pair of running shorts that he liked to wear mine. I was like, Grant, you cannot, not, not wear those shorts. Like...
0: Oh I'm my sorry. gosh! Just Wait. So he put them on and then before he oh, walked out he the door. Ran them. Oh, he ran in them. They were like
1: a pair of trail shorts. Oh, so, yeah, um, oh yeah, yeah, so yeah. So they were a little bit long. It wasn't like they were like, you know, short, flashy, split shorts. But, I mean, they they had a longer inseam and they were like a charcoal gray. I mean, oh, okay. but I knew they were women and I knew they belonged <laughs> to me. And there was just something about the situation that made me uneasy. And I was after like one or two months, I'm like. Okay, I just, no, just no. I don't care that they fit you. And that also kind of sucks, I got to say, like, when, you know, when your husband can wear your clothes, like, you're like, uh-huh, yeah, I feel like an Amazon, so.
0: Yeah, although, I mean, Grant's very slender, so. He is, Yeah, it's not like I me mean, saying Jack was wearing
1: my workout clothes. Yeah, no, I know, I know. I mean, Jack, Grant is a, you know, he's, he's, not, he's not husky, but still, I just, you know, there's just something about that, that I was just like, are we going down a slippery slope here? Am I going to need to, you know... <laughs>
0: start investing
1: in i don't know
0: oh, anyway oh my goodness! well i just i i mean what a doll Ted is and just oh just adore him yeah no yeah. i don't know
1: i want to go to an iron man just by a side just because he would entertain me the whole time
0: <laughs> right right oh goodness that was a ton of fun so um so well you can find more of us if you're looking for it on facebook at run like a mother the book our websites are anothermotherrunner.com and Mother Runner Store. And might I mention that on um, Another Mother Runner, you, you can find details about. Our retreat we're having next April in Little Rock. That's um dot com slash retreat. On Twitter and Instagram, we are at the Mother Runner. Our books, Run Like a Mother, Train Like Mother, and Upcoming Tales from Another Mother Runner, are available on Amazon. And um, no matter what size you are, many happy miles to you.
1: Let's head to the D to the Q. <laughs>